everyone. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Kra. I hope you're having an amazing day wherever you are in this beautiful planet Earth. It's so good to be here with you today. I'm excited about this episode. Can't wait for you to hear it. Our guest today is Baron Baptist, the founder of Baptist Power Yoga and the author of many books. He grew up in San Francisco where he learned yoga from a very young age. His parents were the founders of San Francisco's Yoga Philosophic Health Center in 1955. Barron is a dynamic and influential teacher in the arena of spiritual, physical, and life transformation. Among many other things, Barron worked as a coaching staff with the NFL team Philadelphia Eagles. His newest venture is his podcast, Disrupting the Drift which I highly recommend you listen to. I love it. Please see our show notes to find all the links associated with this episode. I first crossed paths with Baron many years ago in Los Angeles through different groups of friends in different walks of life. Quickly, I felt a soul tribe connection with Baron. And the last time that I spent time with Baron in person, it was in Hawaii, where we both were there for Wonderless festivals. That was an amazing time. I remember we went to this awesome beach, and the surf, the waves were so big, and we were just like watching this beautiful ocean. I mean, just majestic. So happy to bring him here today to the podcast and to share his energy with you, Life on Earth community. In this episode, we chat about how the world has evolved these past few years and how to stay positive even when situations can be rocky. I hope you enjoy this uplifting conversation between Baron and I. And without further ado, please welcome Baron Baptist. Welcome to Life on Earth, the Peace Project. A podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace and global equality, one earthling at a time. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast, Mr. Baron Baptist. Hello, you all. And it's so good to be here with you. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, it, it's so good to be here. And we talked a little bit before. I think that just having we've for the listeners, I've, I've you know, obviously through yoga, obviously, too. But there's also different parts in, a, in my life that I have brought and been connected to you, Baron. And it's, it's just every time I, I think about you, I'm always getting like positive thoughts and you know, it's really an honor to have you on the podcast. I was also telling you right prior that this is a passion project of mine, but mm-hmm. I love it. And we have a beautiful community of like-minded and yogis and also people who I feel really want to do positive things for planet Earth, which I know it's something that you, Baron, are very passionate about as well. Yeah, yeah. well... It, I know that about you. I, I know that you've been so committed to just being of service to people and contributing mm-hmm. to people's lives in different ways and through different forums and platforms. 
as as this podcast. And congratulations. You, you started you. this in 2017. It's pretty amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank yeah, and you've you. got four books. Is that right? I do. Yeah, I have wow. one coming out. And yeah, it just came out now, The Freedom Journal. And you too. Well, Baron, you're an author too. And that's um, how many books mm-hmm. do you have now? I have six books. Yeah, five published, six books. They're in different books are in different languages. But I think if I added up all the different languages, it's you know, 20 something languages. So it's kind <laughs> okay, of a mind so blow. I've got a lot to catch up there. Yeah, but yeah. Okay. I'm going to yeah, write Pretty those. fun. Yeah. <laughs> My first book, Journey into you. Power, is kind of an old classic, you know, yoga yeah. book. And yeah. And then 40 yeah. Days to Personal Revolution is a program book, 40 Days. Of, That's um, really cool because anybody yeah. can grab that and really kind of commit to that too with the discipline and just really, if you want that journey to. You know, yeah. I guess like freedom, which brings a lot of freedom too, which is a word that I've been really loving, like mm-hmm. more than ever. I yeah. love the word yeah. freedom. Yeah. yeah, I think it's an important word and especially in the world we're living in. Yeah. And I think we're all confronted in different ways and <clears throat> maybe from different directions. And But in in the experience of being condensed or compressed or depressed energetically, and I think freedom is something to not lose sight of. So I'm with you on that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And just, you know, being able to have like different perspectives in life and just being able to, to embody different perspectives without Mm -hmm. feeling that you, you're necessarily like being judged or that you have to fit into a mold to appease someone or society or whatever it is, you know, I love. So that's why I really love that sovereignty sovereignty too. Mm-hmm. one of my my new favorite words as well lately but okay so i love there's so many things i could talk to you about but there's one thing i really want to talk about today is your new podcast which i've been really digging into it and loving it and that podcast called disrupting the drift but mm-hmm. before we get into that why don't we talk a little bit about you like how did you first get into yoga and i'm gonna say just put that I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. we've had this conversation that your wasn't like your dad or your parents like into yoga or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, like you're yeah, like yeah. a baby. Good memory. Yeah, okay. it would have well, been. Tell um, me, tell us yeah. the story. I love. We would love to hear that tragedy. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was born and raised in San Francisco, and my parents opened the first yoga center in San Francisco in the like early 1950s, I believe. My parents are much older. My dad was in his 50s when he had me and my mom was like 46 and completely natural childbirth. I was born at home. Wow. And my, yeah. And my parents were early kind of pioneers. Like, you know, back in the 50s, they would share stories about how it was back then when they would say the word yoga. People would think, oh, well, what flavor yogurt? Like people didn't even know what yoga was or it had a lot of, you know, connotations, like you have to be able to tie yourself up in a pretzel or you, you know, it's like highly religious or highly new agey or, you know, different connotations around yoga. And then my parents had this kind of aim to make it accessible to all people. And I think that, you know, I learned that from my parents to make taking like the practical aspects of yoga practices, the physical practice, the pranayama, the breathing practices, the concentration and focus practices, and the discipline that comes with 
uh, a yoga to build a yoga practice takes some kind of discipline, as you know. And I think the, those are certain qualities that I picked up from my parents. And then when I was pretty young, I think they would take me and my sisters to like India and the East, and we would do trips and and learn and study from in different environments there, different teachers and health institutes and with different gurus, we'd drop by and, and, and learn. And I, I was so young. I, I, it was just kind of by osmosis. I was picking it up, just being in the environment. And a lot of it seemed weird to me at that age. And then, and I, you know, I just wanted to be back home in California with my friends, (laughs) my parents (laughs) who dragged me along. But as I grew older and, you know, in my late teens, I started mid late teens, even probably around 16 years old, I started getting really serious about yoga practice. Um, I really started seeing the benefits of it just for myself, my life, like dealing with stress and it would help me in my, with my surfing. And I was a competitive martial artist growing up. And so it would help, I would see how the yoga practice gave me a certain kind of edge and a certain kind of ability to and optimize my, you know, athleticism, things like that, and my mental focus. And I think that was a lot of it is the mind body connection that I saw the value, the practical value of that as I got older and into my early twenties and started teaching yoga practice in LA in my early twenties. And I started recognizing the value it had on my own life. And I just, I've always been someone who likes to share what is working for me if I'm getting really mm-hmm. good results in something mentally, intellectually, physically, spiritually. I'm kind of wired up to share that mm-hmm. and ideally to help others, you know, make some kind of difference for others in my life. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that's how it all started. And then, yeah. yeah. And then I know that at some point you were in Boston for a while and then you moved back to LA and then you, you know, you have obviously Baptist yoga. So you've guys got trainings and like different things Mm -hmm. going on. Right. That's right. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. I started out in LA teaching and building out, well, started teaching just every, you know, on a, a daily schedule of teaching, teaching two classes a day group classes. And then at one point, I think I had up to like 25 privates a week with like one or two group classes a week, six, seven days a week back. Yeah. Then, and that really kind of ingrained something in me. It's like, you know, the more you do something, the more confidence you build, the more I was overcoming, well, teaching, whether it's one-on-one or in groups, I I was overcoming my own insecurities and, you know, watch myself be nerve, super nervous and anxious every time I'd show up to teach a class. And I would, but I saw it as an opportunity to kind of confront those things of myself and to really take the attention off myself and put the attention on serving others, helping others. And then, you know, and th- different things like that. But I, I I love teaching. And so in LA, I built up a, a strong like community and of just, you know, people who came to my classes and was doing some retreats and like in Ojai and Santa Barbara mm-hmm. and more local and somewhat in Hawaii and Mexico. But what happened is someone who was coming to my classes consistently and I was working privately with bought an NFL football team 
they bought the Philadelphia Eagles. So, yeah. and they made an offer to me to move to Philadelphia and be on the coaching staff and essentially do what I do back then, How which cool. was, you know, nutrition and yoga practice and different alternative modalities and disciplines to enhance performance. So they, I got hired by the Eagles to be, um, my title was peak performance specialist. And my job was basically to enhance the performance of the players, the athletes. So did that for about five years. Then I went to, had another opportunity that took me to Boston and opened up some centers in Boston. And Uh yeah. So you kind of so it's like organically one thing kind of leads to the other basically in a in a lifelong you know yeah thing like that like that's all different aspects of the yoga practice or the health and wellness sort of showing up and I think that you know what's interesting with yoga and you know when we think yoga in the West particularly a lot of people think even though I think it's changing, but this bodily practice, which is right. The asana, it's like one of the eight limbs, but there's all this other stuff that comes with it too, no matter if you want it or not. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you have like a strong, you know, whatever practice the person is attracted to of the physical practice, I I think they should just do, you know, what, what resonates with them. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking about the style you teaching, which is very similar with the style I teach. Like we teach vinyasa a lot and like Mm -hmm. that breath and movement. It's so powerful. And I want to ask you this, like when you were going, you know, through practicing a lot, maybe like in your twenties and thirties, don't you feel that it was literally affecting everything like body, mind, spirit and like mentally clearing stuff and like the on the mat stuff really translates to like the off the mat that you know life evolving too right yeah yeah completely yeah i'm with you on that i i remember my early 20s when i really started getting very serious about my physical practice that what it allowed for me then, it was like a lifesaver because I felt at that point in my life, I felt very lost, lost without purpose. You know, I was going to college part-time, community college. I was trying to figure out my life and I felt very lost and didn't know what I wanted to do. I waited tables I, at, around LA, Beverly Hills, Melrose, like that. And I was just kind of filling in the gaps so I could support myself. I was started teaching, but I... I felt very lost, but here's what my point in saying all that is I the the one place when I would get on my yoga mat and really move and breathe and get present phys- in the physicality in my breath in heat, I would get I would just get out of my head. So all the worry and the churning in my mind of like that that voice of doubt. Like, you know, I don't, what am I doing? I need to figure out my life. I'm a loser. I don't know, you know, where I'm going. Like all that would just go away, like a, like a cloud evaporating or something. And I would just get right here. I just get in my body. I get in my mm-hmm. breath. And it was just this, this physical presencing. And I would then get access to just being like my ground of being and it's like the worry about what I'm supposed to be doing or where I'm supposed to be going or achieving, like all that would just go away. And I don't know, it was like a natural faith would rise up. Like the just I was present to like, well, everything's going to work out and just allow yeah. things to unfold. So 
I mean, to your point, it's amazing how what happens on the mat changes, you know, or how you walk through life off the mat, but it really would alter my mindset. Like I would have a fundamental shift in my being after a practice. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, I think, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And there's two things that are kind of coming up to me when you're saying this. And it's like one that, you know, it allowed you to be a human being versus like a human doing Mm. because you're people are like doing all the time, but this is like, you're just, you just being, which is so important. It's like that neutral point, you know, which is Mm -hmm. so important. And the other thing is that you were really in alignment with your, I'm going to say Dharma, but if you, people are listening, don't know, you know, with like what you're, maybe like your soul purpose or, mm. you know, part of what you're here on earth. I think everybody has maybe different things. Doesn't have to be one thing, but there are things that really kind of light up your soul. Mm-hmm. And that when you are in that place, there's something that inside you shift. But yeah. one of the reasons I was mentioning this powerful practice because i think you know i started like that too and i still have i think you start like you have a lot of that background too and we believe in it but like you you have some deep like you have deep thinking and deep thoughts and i feel you you're like i mean just listening to your and in your podcast now which i love and his name is david masters Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. David is a good friend of mine. He jumps on pretty frequently yeah. with me. Yeah. 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 So, you know, there's like some really kind of life and deep questions that are like peeling the layers of the onion and really, you know, what, how can we get to the next level of our evolution? Mm-hmm. And I love that. And to me, that's sort of like, this transcendence of this practice evolving into something else Mm -hmm. because that's what it does. It's always, the yoga is always changing and it's always evolving and it's always, so I'm just wondering, do you feel, well, two questions. One, do you sit a lot in meditation or have sat and then be, how do you, you know, you get like intrigued by the different things going on in the world or how, how do these conversations kind of arise? Like, Yeah. You know, it's really good. So this, yeah, really good question. (laughs) It's an interesting one. I was thinking about this because, well, it ties into a little bit what I was speaking to earlier. Like I used to get very anxious or nervous when I would need to give a public talk or, I mean, and then before that going into teach a yoga class or then a yoga workshop or, and I'd get this like anxiousness and insecurity and it, it followed me around for a lot of years. And, and then when I would start getting, well, when I'd start giving talks, I'd start getting invited to give talks at whatever, different conferences or different events, I would get, there it was, this, this anxious anxiousness and insecurity. And then here's my point. What I realized is two things. So Firstly, there was something I was insecure about that I wasn't accepting in myself or not accepting a part of myself or all of myself. There was something I was resisting in myself that created this kind of stress. And then and then there was also like my whole what am I what I'm wanting to say is like this my whole like being would get taken out 
because then I would be talking. I'd have talk. I would prepare, over prepare. Like, so I'd give a talk and I would like really prepare each line. And, but what I realized is that it was my intent wasn't lined up. So coming back to your question, what I, through yoga practice and really meditation practice, it's like it, it, when I meditate, I meditate daily in my yoga practice four times a week ish, something like that. But it's, and I move every day, but, and often outdoors. But my point is, I have found this thing called intent. Like, where am I coming from in my life? And, and am I coming from service or am I coming from how do people see me? How are people perceiving me? Am I looking good? Am I looking foolish? And I realized that was the source of anxiety and insecurity. But then the more like I, I let this kind of inquiry of like, where's this anxiousness and insecurity coming from? I got to, well, it's my intent. It's always about intent. It's like, where am I coming from? So if I'm coming from service, you know, and, and whoever I'm speaking to, whether it's a group of people giving a public talk or leading a program or a class from the front of the room. Well, if my intent is to help people improve their lives or become better or get some kind of like insight into their lives and some kind of self-discovery that it helps them, enhances their life or lessens their suffering. If I'm coming from the intent of serving, it's no longer about me. And I'll tell you, it was really powerful because at a certain point, that anxiousness, that insecurity, like left me. Uh-huh. And then like now and for years, like I don't, if I'm going to give a talk or I just show up and lead from like what's in my heart, what's on my heart. I'm present with, and I sense people that are there. Like I sense people. And then like, even you were bringing up the podcast when I'm on there with my friend, David, or even when yeah. I'm here with you, it's like this sensing of just what's, what's on my heart today, what's going on mm-hmm. for me today. And then sensing who's listening and making it available, like what's on my heart around learning and discovering things in myself that make my life more free or less suffering or more empowered, whatever's right here for me, I just show up and share it with the intent of being of service. And I really believe if, you know, if you're really coming from service, you can't be nervous. (laughs) That's kind of a... A motto for me. It's like, cause I know if I'm nervous, I'm like, wait, where am I coming from? Like, what's my intent? One. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, maybe that's a long winded answer to your question, but no, it's really, good. I think, yeah. When you ask like, well, where do these conversations get sourced from? I think uh, firstly, I, and I know like my friend, David, just like you are, you know, people who are seeking truth and seeking growth and expansion yeah. ongoingly. So I think it's active on our in our minds and in our hearts. And when show we show David and I'll show up for a podcast and just share what's there. We, yeah. We'll take a question from someone and respond to it or we'll just riff. But yeah. <laughs> so you guys have been friends for a while? Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, a little bit how you and I were sharing just mm-hmm. before we jumped on how our paths have crossed through different worlds of mm. people, like different domains of people, whether LA and Hollywood or yeah. people in you know, the wellness 
in war in yoga worlds or place we, you and I have crossed paths. David and I, I worked for his father in LA. His father was a radio host and I worked for his dad as like an engineer and a set producer of his show for about five years. Wow. I talked radio in LA. And so I didn't actually ever meet David until several years later, but after working for his father, but that was back in the nineties and he and I had just stayed in touch and we developed a friendship. And then he and I eventually had our own radio show together. We did had a syndicated mm. radio show. It was called extreme results. Awesome. And we would get on every Sunday night for a couple hours. And I think we're on like 60, 50 ish, 50, 60 wow. around the country Sunday night. Oh, so that we did is that, cool. Yeah. For like seven years, I think it was a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the connection. Yeah. We were, mm-hmm. yeah. I was talking to you before just for the listeners. I, I really feel like you're one of those people that I had to meet because the channels of meeting you have been so yeah. completely different and it's like, okay, all right, I got it. Here's there. And you're like, like soul. I think of you as like soul family, like yeah. le- legit, you know? Yeah. So why disrupting the drift? What, tell me about this name. I love the name. But how did that come about? What's what's the what was the initiation for getting that podcast going? Why did you want to do it? Yeah, it's really funny. I two days ago I was hiking with a couple friends of mine, and um, and they uh, they they were asking me about the podcast and and what I call what was the name of it, and I said, you know I'm calling it disrupting the drift, and they're like, wow, yeah, I we remember I they reminded me about five years ago. Five, six years ago, I had dinner with them and they asked me, like, what do you do if you could nail down, like, in a few words in your work in the world through Baptiste Yoga, through your book? Like, if you could just, what do you do? Like, if you could put, and I said, well, we just, I did, we disrupt the drift. That's what the Institute's about is disrupting the drift. And then they're like, wow, that's so cool. And they're like, do you have that written anywhere? I'm like, no. And they're like, you should write that down. It's kind of pretty cool. And they reminded me just two days ago of where that came from because I wouldn't have remembered. And then I started kind of expounding on that, disrupting the drift. And, you know, we can drift along in life. And Buddha said that he said, defy the stream. And what that means to me to defy the stream is just the stream is like drifting along. And it's like to defy, not to go along with the kind of the flow of the sea of sameness or just ordinary, like we can get almost like in a hypnotic kind of trance-like state or something. We go through life on automatic pilot. Mm -hmm. We get, you know, just like going through a yoga practice, you'd be kind of checked out and you just go through the motions. Okay, warrior one, warrior two eagle you know like you could just go uh-huh. through the motions and be kind or you can be present so it's like well i really do like really the way i would show up to teach a training a workshop a program a class or give a talk i do have a commitment to being disruptive of just the normal ways of thinking like even whoever's listening here or with you and i like disrupting my own drifting along and just waking things up or yeah, sparking something, some new kind of energy. 
Yeah, and there's a, there's flow. like a bunch of like really cool concepts. I actually wrote a. I'm gonna look because I wrote a couple of things down to that you and you bring up in the podcast. So, okay, one thing that you were talking about is one of I can't remember which episode, but one of the last ones that you were saying. You know when there's like like a group think, but they're like si- like group that they're s- silent. They're si- oh, like a collective silent. Like mm-hmm. what is it called that you said? Like that a, a silent majority, maybe. Yes, silent mm-hmm. majority. I would love to talk a little bit about that because I that's so wild to me that this is happening. And yet mm-hmm. I've you know I'm not pointing fingers at anybody because I've definitely been a part of that. Yeah. And even though I don't want to, I want to disrupt my drift. Yeah. But I feel like when you said that, I was like, oh shoot, I could see this could have potentially have happened to me this past two, especially like the past two, three years, you know, even like during mm-hmm. this pandemic, it was like wild. And as you spoke to in your thing, cancel culture, which is another thing that it's like absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people are starting to realize how some of that has an agenda behind it as well. Mm-hmm. Because to me, yeah, I've experienced some parts of it that was like really complete like BS, if you ask me, yeah. you know, <laughs> but it's like, and yet, you know, there's so many things that I think there's so many, what I'm trying to say, so many good people that I know, smart, intelligent human beings that I know, and that maybe had some really good thoughts about like a situation or something or whatever, you know, perspective mm-hmm. about something on the planet and that haven't, maybe we were talking on a dinner table, like you offered an example, but we never spoke up about it and never mm-hmm. really like, and a lot of those people, especially at certain times when things were really going down, I would not see those people speaking up, even mm-hmm. though to me, I was like, wait, wait, I know that this is how, we feel and i know that this is and this is really positive thinking for the planet mm-hmm. you know not like bringing anybody down or anything like that just very mm-hmm. constructive thing there's people like that but yeah. for some reason a lot of times we were just like quiet and like not mm-hmm. expressing and not speaking up and in, i never realized until you said that like how that could itself be hurtful yeah. energetically <clears throat> and just mm-hmm. for the planet and and you see the other element of that for the listeners, you guys, I'm talking about like how there's a wave of people who are like coming up and, you know, I don't even know. I'm not thinking about one thing in particular. It could be, you know, 10 different things, but tearing people down or things down mm-hmm. or ideas down or whatever it is. But there's always those same people that are the ones, you know, whether it's their writing, expressing themselves, somebody, it's like kind of tearing people things down and then there's another group that i'm like okay where what you know obviously some people are coming out you know and saying wonderful things but there's a lot that has this this thing that you talk about the silent thing mm-hmm. yeah so can yeah, you speak it's a interesting, little bit right? more about that yeah, it's like it's, it's like, so crazy <laughs> yeah yeah no it's really it's it's in the air we're breathing now i think every <laughs> most people are aware of it so maybe some people are like they're self-censoring. They're part of that, like what I call the silent majority that are self-censoring. Like they don't buy into what this kind of loud minority of people that are, whether they're trolling around on social media and they, they're just looking to stomp people out. Like, you know, to your point, like you wouldn't see authors 
tearing down other authors or you don't really see, you know, a pod person who's developed a podcast and they're up to something meaningful and attacking other podcasters. I mean, maybe you get some of that in politics and like, but yeah. uh, but that aside, it, you don't really see that because there's a certain respect. People know it takes something to build something. And, and if you're a builder, you know, it takes something as a kind of built in respect that, I mean, you don't have time to tear someone else down. It's really, it would take you away from the builder you are the create, you know, a creator that you are, if that's how you're wired. But I think there are people that are just scared. I think that a, there are a lot of people that are self-censoring because they do have something to lose. They could, if they spoke up, like you're saying, okay, they're at dinner parties and they're speaking their, their truths or their opinions or their views freely and not even angry or, but they just see the absurdity of some of the group think and different, like in cancel culture, whatever, but they can't publicly say that. They can mm. say it am amongst like intimate friends or something. Right. But they do have something, they could lose their jobs in the current mm. climate, they'll lose their jobs, they'll lose the mm -hmm. ability to, you know, support their families right. or their lives. Or, right. and it's like a scary time. They have to kind of go along to get along. And then, but I think that. That comes with a cost. And I think everyone needs to weigh in on that. You know, I mean, people like you and I, you know, like I just have, I've kind of always known it's, I've always been kind of attacked. I've always been somewhat controversial, like in the yoga mm -hmm. world and doing something kind of different outside of the kind of normal yoga flow. And mm -hmm. so I've, I've kind of always been attacked. So I always realized at least half the people don't like me already. So I think that. <laughs> I've I've kind of created my life. Well, yeah, I'm so laughing because I'm thinking. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about no, no, you it's said good. that in your you yeah. said that in your podcast. So I was like thinking. Yeah. So go on, go on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just the other day, right? I mentioned something about that. Like I, I, I think I've seen for a long time to not make myself overly dependent on one thing or one source of, you know, income or livelihood or, and I'm also mindful of like who I spend time with or people in my life. And I think that's another thing that, you know, people can often be teared down by people close to them. So, mm -hmm. and they sense that danger perhaps, or that threat. So they censor, but I think wherever you might be censoring in your life, I think it's just valuable for any of us, me, inc me included is just to weigh in on what does it cost you to suppress, to, stuff down to not because i think we're all born to be self-expressed you know being able to tell yeah, the truth and, well, and about and, the truth and authentic yeah. yeah yeah and the other thing is like there's only one of you right and one of my teachers always mm -hmm. tells me that and if you're not gonna fulfill that which is you then mm -hmm. guess what potentially you'll never exist yeah yeah. Which is like a crazy thought. And the other yeah. thing that I love that one of my, my recent guests, he ex said something on the podcast. His name is Raghunath. He's actually was a yoga teacher. Well, he is a yoga teacher, but he worked at Yoga Works Los Angeles as well for a while. And he's been mm. on a Joe Rogan podcast. And he's, he's an awesome guy. Cool. So he said this in one of the last episodes. He said, you know, you get like orange juice and you start mixing it with water. Then it's like, 
orange juice with a little bit of water. And then you put like orange juice with like half orange juice, half water. It's like, okay, some, you know, half orange. Then it's like, you put like more water. And then it's at some point, it's no longer orange juice. Mm. Yeah. So I love that because to put it into perspective, I think it applies to this too, like being you, how much Mm -hmm. of it it's you, how much of it is you, the diluted orange juice. But he Mm -hmm. was also talking about yoga, how, it was modernizing and it that's all good. And we actually like, you know, we're for it, but also there's part of it that needs to remain yoga because then it's no longer the OG. Right. <laughs> so, right. But yeah. I feel like yeah. that's to the person too. And you need mm-hmm. to embody and you need to be, you need to be you because there's mm-hmm. only one of you. Like I just said, yeah. who else is going to fulfill you? And your energetic blueprint signature, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. if it's not you. And and the you is always changing and evolving, as we know, in yoga. Yeah. Because the yeah. only thing that's permanent is the impermanence of all things. Yeah, I love that. So mm-hmm. the presence is how present can you be as you com- continue, you know, evolving? How yeah. present can you be to each moment? And I think mm-hmm. that that maybe has to do a little bit with the disrupting the drift too. Totally. Because otherwise we can just go. Just keep doing, 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 forcing, forcing, forcing. And then the results are exhaustion and frustration and yes. imbalance and yada, and yada. Even, and mm-hmm. even giving your power, that too can result in frustration yeah. and imbalance and and sadness and depression. and yeah. So at some point it compromises. Totally. I think, yeah. And that back to the kind of cancel culture piece or the threat of, you know, if you show, so another, let me say it like this is for a part of what I had to learn in showing up to give a talk or teach a class or a workshop or a program was that I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to, you know, make mistakes up there. I'm going to, you know, flail. I'm going to like, sometimes that's going to be much better. Like my delivery and the flow, I'll be more dialed in, tuned in and other times not so much, but I had to accept that that's just a part of it. And I wrote a book called perfectly imperfect. And there's a, a I perfection. Want to read that book. I want to read yeah, that book. It's a good book. It's a short read. It's like, yeah, and it, it's a good one. I, it was one of my favorite books that I wrote. <laughs> but but my point is, is that I think there's back to the idea of freedom, you know, the authenticity to speak up and be true, you know, to thine own self be true. Then this is a nightfall is the day you can know we no way be false to another it's like to to be true in your own word, your spoken word, and to be true to yourself in that sense, regardless of what people think about you, regardless of what they say about you, regardless of the threat of what they could do. And you, and you make that your practice of just showing up and you're going to make mistakes. We all do. We're, none of us are perfect. And, and it's like, but showing up and in your authenticity there's it takes courage to do that and it though allows for a freedom and a creativity it's like a possible the energy the whole world of possibility is there for mm-hmm. you in your authenticity and a connection to your calling and your true source of strength and for me i know it's like my my creator a connectedness to my creator when i'm being authentic 
It's kind mm-hmm. of how I was designed by whatever greater the creator of the universe. And I'm a part mm-hmm. of that. When I'm being authentic, I'm lined up to how my creator and just as a part of the universe, I'm being authentic. I'm in my natural expression, which has more natural momentum, flow, creative flow. And so, yeah, it's, but when we suppress out of fear and what people will say or do, it's, it comes with a cost. And I think it's, yeah, that's something we all have to determine is it, is the cost outweigh the benefits? Yeah. Yeah. And so like, there is also, you guys talked about this, you and your friend, David, like what is failure? There is no failure if you're showing up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a mindset that made me think about that. Yeah. I love his, whatever he said on that definition, when you said what's failure and he's like, well, as long as you're showing up, Oh yeah, I asked him what we were talking about failure, and it's like yeah. To and have by the a, way, I invite everybody here listening to yeah, subscribe and start listening to Baron's podcast. So yes, thank you. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna link that on show notes too. So you're amazing. Yeah. Thank so you. what'd you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was saying that we were talking. Dave and I were talking about failure. Is when you have a mind, you're coming from a place of just learning. You're some like you and I. We're both you and I have that in common. We're just people who like to learn. I'm sure that the listeners are people who are are seeking, you know, growth and truth and love and expansion. And I think when failures happen, if you're with failures as a learning opportunity or when things, when we say failure, it's like, you know, things just don't connect up or they don't line up the way you thought they were, or there's a disconnect and, you know, communications or these little failures of energy, you know, and it's like, and sometimes bigger ones, but when you learn from those, you, you grow. And then I asked David, I think this is what you're pointing to. I said, so David, what is your definition of success? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he said, "Never stop showing That's up. Right. Just never That's stop right. showing up. Yeah, just don't and quit." He, and yeah. he said, "Look, things may not always go the way you have planned, but you also have to be kind of flexible and fluid." Which I love that. To mm-hmm. okay, let me take a deviation of you know you're on a course and you're disciplined and you're doing it and that's all beautiful and I, there's a great value in that but then if something doesn't go as planned right or something mm-hmm. happens or whatever and and then you just say okay well you know I'm going to pick up and I'm going to deviate and maybe I go another direction and I'm right. going to do this xyz and do something else and I love that I love that flexibility and I mm-hmm. in fluid in fluidity Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something as I'm maturing in this lifetime, mm-hmm. I'm beginning, you know, I've started to really appreciate that in myself and also in others and primarily in myself. And maybe I'm saying this because you know how you were saying you had your things when you were younger, like of mm-hmm. the, for me, it's like, well, my first, like I started doing yoga when I was in my teens and my first 10 years, I was flying to India all the time because I was an Ashtangi and love Ashtanga. Mm-hmm. However, love my teacher, Patabi Joyce, but it was a very, it was very good for me to be in an extreme, like either one extreme or the other, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so, and that mm-hmm. practice was really great to me at that time because yeah. I had to be on the mat and I had to do my thing. It was five A, five Bs and this and that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, but it also was a very kind of my twenties, I feel it was very kind of black and white a lot with 
you know, like ultimatums and, and so dualistic. And so, which is yeah. like, I totally get it. And maybe it served me, but the planet has changed. I'm maturing. Things have changed. Mm-hmm. The energy in the planet earth has changed. And now for me, being able to not be so black and white has, it's really serving me. It's something that I've been, I've cultivated in my life. So I loved when he mm-hmm. said the definition of success, even something as a tangible example, I have somebody working, you know, I had a yoga studio in New Orleans for 10 years. I'm actually reopening it now, this mm. right now, this month. I, re- I took a little break, but I'm reopening it. And I've had people, you know, that I've had that worked with me and my organization for many years. And then all of a sudden, let's say it doesn't work anymore for X, Y, Z. And then being able to just be like, okay, no big deal. You know, no big deal because everything happens for a reason. And you know, whatever, let's move on and just see, you know, what's next and in, in Ahimsa, nonviolence for everyone and just, just kind of see what happens next. And that's with anything, you know, it could be like mm-hmm. my horse just changed farms. The horse I was in, I loved it. It got sold. I got really bombed. And then I got kind of depressed. But then I was like, thought about this. I mean, got depressed for 24 hours. It's not really that depressed, but <laughs> But I mean, it, t- it takes like uh-huh. going, okay, you know, it's okay. Go with the flow, go with the current of mm-hmm. life. And the beautiful things, the horse thing is actually a great example is that I went with the flow and I'm in a space now, actually I have two horses now that they're in this most beautiful place and they're the most happy they've ever been. But, you know, had I hold on to that one thing so long and become aggressive and angry or whatever it is that certain mm-hmm at the situation or and then it becomes yourself like yourself yeah. you know and then it's like it just doesn't serve anyone so you start losing yourself like you yeah, yeah i know that experience of like i end up when i'm trying to force like that or hold on to something grip on too tight i and for too long i i i'm kind of left in the experience of having lost myself mm-hmm. and then it's easy to for me to like drop into that yeah some kind of like a low grade depression functional and able yeah yeah but kind of can drift along like that and then yeah. i love hearing that story though like you got back with your horses and you're kind of yeah. reigniting maybe your studio things like that that kind of re i imagine you're feeling a re like oxygen kind of new oh, oxygen amazing. breathing through your system right yeah yeah i mean you know there's that say you probably know the buddha said that if you pull a string too far right in one direction or the other have you ever heard that one yeah, it yeah, breaks. tell it, tell it. It, it breaks. breaks. So if you have yeah. a string and you pull it too much in one direction or the other, mm-hmm. it breaks. Yeah. So I think I heard that like in my late twenties, and that, that was like I know it's like so simple, but it was so revealing mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh wow, that's 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 so cool. So maybe finding that again for me, neutrality, equanimity. Just going fluidity. with the flow. Fluidity. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And like what comes to mind when you're speaking about that is I really have come to know that human beings, and I'm including myself in this, is that human beings are malleable. And we get in these kind of headsets, like mind states, or where we get fixed and like we objectify ourselves or you know things are fit things are this way i'm this way things are that way she's that way he's that way people close to us we kind of live and we and and we start living in a fixed 
world and and then a linear world in our heads but the world and life isn't linear life is organic it's like moment mm-hmm. to moment to moment and we live in an, and exist in a physical universe physical body we're spiritual beings and really we're like we're malleable we that you can it's never too you can always start over even starting over from like what you were mentioning or like you and I were talking a few moments ago about like being in some kind of depressed state, how you can, you don't have to live like that's it. You may need to find support to get out of that, but I'd say that's something you don't need to accept. Maybe you have to accept it in the temporal, like temporarily, but not as something, it's just good to know that as as a human being, you and all of us were malleable. And so it's like never too late to start or never too late to shift, or you can always shift. The question is how, like what's the access to creating that shift for you? You're talking about your horses and reigniting your studio and things like that. And I get it. We're just doing these podcasts. I'm sure like my experience of it, it's like, I just get elevated. I get oxygenated and, and uplifted. But yeah, just being and, this kind and, of conversations. and I do believe that me too. And I do believe that I think that that's a great channel to, you know, for whoever is listening, if they're listening because they like it, awesome. I, I, I love it. I love it that just like I listen to podcasts that I love, you know, if, if this mm-hmm. can be an enhancement and a frequency that can upgrade your life or that day or momentarily or takes you off of a funk and align with beings that are like-minded and and Mm -hmm. raise the vibration why not it's like it's just so amazing i feel part of me being here in this planet i'm a communicator i like to share too i like to empower people you know i mean i like to share the things i learn i'm I'm on a quest so it's like i like to to learn and then i like to share with others and and it's not always easy there's bumps on the road and there's up and i love what you said like it from it's so you know when you hear that that 50% 50% or however much people, some people are just not going to like you. That's just mm-hmm. part of nature, you know? Mm-hmm. So that is actually for me, that's like, wow, that's, that takes a huge weight off my shoulder. Cause it's like, okay, so what, you know? I mean, yeah, it has zero thing. effect on your daily life, actually, especially if they're just like social media trolls or yeah. Really- you don't let that stuff in. It makes no difference in your life. Yeah, exactly. And then there's like this whole thing with people pleasing. Let's let that go too. Cause it's like, I'm not here to be people pleasing. Yeah. You know, it's like, and the other thing is like, focus on the people who actually love you. Yes. And focus, focus on the people who actually want the best for you, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I am sure everyone listening to this, there's going to be, like people mm-hmm. out there who are on your team, you know, and like yeah. they, they're like, they're saying, okay, go and want, if you have one human being that genuinely wants the best for you, that's amazing. A life yeah. that's huge. Yeah. Totally. I think that's just a message mm-hmm. for everybody. Like focus on things that are bringing you light, elevating yeah. you, people that you love, movies that you, whatever it is that, you know, rocks your boat. Because there's so much of that that's so beautiful. So if we mm-hmm. can just 
understand it because sometimes one thing can take you know a, a person down myself included so yeah but and, and if that I, one thing i'll just add this to because what you're saying makes so much sense to me it's like if 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 one thing happens it takes you down for a moment and you have like you said a person or you create people around you that really see you and they see who you are they know you they see you they recognize what you're up to in life and you have people like that that you if you notice you're getting taken out by something but you have people in your life that elevate you that to me that's so important what you're saying like about that like having the people around you and and that that do elevate that that bring forth the best in you that tell you the truth and, and love you, but they recognize you and they recognize what you're up to actually. And then having, knowing the difference sometimes are people that put on that front, like they're they're your cheerleader and they're all for you, but actually they've got some other agenda. Like they're not in trust that that's all. If you get that intuition about someone Maybe it's not real, but maybe it is. Like, don't, I've just learned yeah. over a year, like, don't That's discount it. if someone, you're not quite buying it. Like on the front side, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they seem like your cheerleader, or your friend, and, but maybe they're not. And I, I whenever I've run into that, I've like, oh, I knew that, like intuitively, I kind of knew that. I, mean, I know, isn't isn't that crazy? We yeah. always know, but most yeah. of the times you do know, and it's like yeah. you still hit your face on the wall. But that's really good advice. Yeah, that's really good advice there. But before I let you go, I have to ask yeah. you this because we've been talking about things that lit you up. What is a like an amazing day for you? What's like a really good day that you feel like connected to source that you feel you know that those days are the ones that will that bring you inspiration and like what's that day for you because you've got so many different things going on kind of like me i have so many different channels too and i love the advice you gave to the listeners too i don't know if you guys caught that but diversify that's another one that's Mm -hmm. been one of my big motives these last eight years diversify 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 that way you know but yeah yeah, with that said i'm wondering like i know you love the mountains and but what's what's a beautiful day for you like what inspired yeah, what a beautiful day could look like for me is I start my day in a somewhat kind of meditative space. You know, I get up and out of bed and I'll just go out into my living room or living area or go outside on my deck and just be outside and just be kind of meditative for 10 minutes. Maybe close my eyes, maybe not, but to really kind of be present, meditative. That is a way of setting my day. I like then moving somehow, somewhere, whether that's getting up on the mountain, whether it's hiking or snowboarding, something like that, moving, maybe yoga practice. And then, you know, there's something about for me, like really beautiful day is like getting to be with my family, getting to be with my Uh sons, my kids. My oldest son has two little beat, cute little girls. So my little grandbabies. And they, yeah, like getting to be around family like that is always beautiful. And then getting, again, just getting out in nature, like whether it's the ocean, the beach, surfing or the mountains. And I love being productive. I, I, 
I, I don't want to skip over that. I, I am someone who like, I like outflowing creatively. So if mm. I'm spending, even if it's just like two or three hours in a day, kind of moving the needle forward on a project creatively, whether that's designing a program or training or a podcast or something, and then having some creative, constructive conversations with people that I can learn from, like that are mentors to me who have more experience in whatever I'm working on. And I can kind of learn from people who've walked the walk or mm-hmm. done what I want to do. That if I add that into a day, that's like a, a really solid day for me. Thank you for asking. That's how about, beautiful. Hmm. How about you? Can I turn um, that question on you? Yeah, yeah. Well, so very similar to a lot of what you just said. I when you put it, I just learned something because the last part that you were saying with putting the outflow of energy with at least two, three hours of I actually I I, I hadn't put that into words, but that's precisely what I love to do. Besides that would be nature. And I for me in my ultimate and when I have time, it's like I'm with my horses or I'm here. I live by a river. It's called the Jafunta River. So I'm on my boat and I'm on the river. And I'm, you know, if I'm by the ocean, I'm I worked in the Virgin Islands now in almost a month, like just a month and a half ago. And I was in the ocean swimming and diving. Like I just have that is really important to me to be mm-hmm. out. You know, I love the mountains. I do miss the mountains being here and you know i'm in south louisiana near new orleans but yeah and then but waking up i love tea practice so i have this Mm. sort of buddhism zen lineage of like living tea and do a tea ceremony in the morning which i teach a lot of people in my community have Mm. come to tea ceremonies and that involves meditation too a lot of meditation Mm -hmm. i love the infrared sauna when i get a chance Mm. i have one so just yeah, having like just kind of oh, that's a great question. Actually, I was gonna ask you, are you an introvert or an extrovert? You know, I consider myself both. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay. like someone who if you put me out around people, I I love people. I love being with people, whether that's just socially or being I like being around people that are up to things like creatively or talking about what they're developing or growing in their lives. And um or if in front of a room, giving a talk or leading a program or a class, I love that. And I think I'm a natural extrovert. But then the other side of me is like, I I really like just internalizing. And when I'm home in my home spaces, or I'm not that social, I'm not, I, I enjoy just, yeah, quiet time. And it's not like I have to be an introvert all of the time. In fact, mm-hmm. probably I prefer being I'm an extrovert less of the time, I should say. Well, I mean, and you do so much of the outgiving too. And, you know, being out in trainings and stuff, you have to be with a lot of people when you're doing that. So that's why, because I mean, the same for me, I have, the, but I feel like I have to kind of come inside and be on my own to like get that energy, especially in between trainings. I teach a lot of teacher trainings too, because otherwise I can get depleted. So I have to kind of manage that energetically, but I love it. So what, when you're traveling and when you're like doing a lot, what keeps you centered and grounded? Is there like any tricks that you have, like biohacking or anything? Or or do you just like, or you can just go, go, go? I pretty much, 
feel comfortable in my own skin. Uh-huh. Like oh, most of the time, like I'm just at home in my own skin. So I think that I notice if I'm going off into my head or thoughts and I, I just notice that and just let that go. And I think I've, maybe it's a lot of years of just training and years on the mat or like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm pretty kinesthetic. So I, I don't, I don't struggle with like being uncentered and I, or if I'm around a lot of people, I don't lose myself. I kind of let, maybe I'm flowing from the inside out and when I'm mm-hmm. kind of present and embodied, I'm like, I was thinking like out. when you're traveling, like if you're like, you know, to you're, you're still like, you've got, you don't have to have like a morning routine or anything like that. I, I do. I mean, I, I'll wake up and typically just, always like spend some kind of time in meditation or meditative space, okay. even if it's just for ten, five or 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then, and then I'll move. If I'm traveling, I think what you're speaking to, I get it. If I'm traveling, I'll move, I'll do some yoga practice or I'll get outside and take a walk just to physically ground. And I think when I travel, I've learned to like not be on the road too to a point where I kind of know my threshold. If I, where I start, I know I need to get back home and not, if I stay too long on the road, I, I kind of know my threshold where, okay, I'm going to get off balance here. I'm going to get out of whack. I'm going to get exhausted. I'm, so it's like, I've, I'm pretty conscious and intentional about how I schedule myself. Mm. Once a month I'll travel or, or if I'm gone, like, not away too long. I notice I, it doesn't work for me to not sleep in my own bed like too many nights. Yes. Things like little things like that, that are maybe just more intuitive for me. Yeah, I don't know if that awesome. answers your question, but no, it like does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's great. That's, I love hearing that. And so do you cook? Is this the fun? Do you cook when you're at home? I do. Yeah, yeah, I love to cook. Yeah, I my dad, my, in the kitchen, my, like cooking for some. My reason. dad, I know, right? My dad was an amazing cook growing up. My dad did most, like ninety percent of the cooking in our house growing up, and so I really learned just by watching him. And just yeah, I enjoy just making really basic, whole, healthy kind of foods, whole yeah. foods, and just cooking things from that. That's fun. And, I'm I'm imagining mm-hmm. that in the because you live, you know, that's. By the way, Utah is beautiful and yeah. with the mountains and just cooking. That's that's awesome. I love I love to do stuff like that when I'm home too. And mm-hmm. what do you do? What's fun for you? I now a day. S- now a day. <laughs> yeah, right. I snowboard when I'm in Utah, I snowboard quite a bit. When I'm in California, I, I'm at the beach. I surf quite a bit. So I'm usually in the winter in Utah snowboarding or when I'm the rest of the time I'm in California, Hawaii, Mexico. So I'll, I'm in the ocean almost daily, I'd say. Do your um, boys do any of that with you? They do it all. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. They oh, do you've got all. like best friends with you. Oh, then they're like I your do. best friends. Oh, my boys and I, we are besties. Like yeah, we're close. Yeah. We're tight. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to, I mean, it's the value of having kids. I think I was so young. So I was like, I messed up as a parent because I was so young. I was, you know, early twenties kind of thing. And then, uh, but then getting to grow up with them. And then now it's like, we're still young. So we just do things together all the time and super close. And yeah. 
they're definitely my people. So it's, it's awesome like that. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Baron, so much. So if anyone wants to, like I said, I'll put, I encourage everyone to come to the podcast of Baron Disrupting the Drift and check it out and all the things you're doing. But if there's any way that, that how, what's the best channel that for people to, you know, look at? And is it an Instagram or an email? What's the best place or a website? Yeah, I think Disrupting the Drift podcast is a great place to go. And then also just BaronBaptiste.com. Check out the website there if you're interested. And then you uh, get just, all the things. Then you get, you all, get the all You get all the are, things. Are the books yeah. listed there? The books? I think so. Yeah. About? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Maybe not all of them, but yeah, most of them are on the website. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or Amazon. And uh, But I want to just acknowledge you, like really your oh. commitment and your vision and your generosity. And not only here with me, but I just know that about you, Natalie. And it's like, I've watched you over the years from a distance and you're just so committed to serving mm-hmm. and supporting people, whether it's lessening their suffering and finding new possibilities for their life. I just see you like you're someone who never, you're a great example of someone who never quits. An example <laughs> of success. You just keep showing up with a really great intent, no matter what, what well, happens. Thank you. you. Come back thank you. Yeah. I, I, I really appreciate that, especially coming from you. And uh, it means a lot to me. So thank you. Thank and you. Uh, you know, one of the things it's like, I don't even know another way. Like this is just, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we talked earlier about being in alignment and what you're here for. And I just, and I feel very preci- grateful, you know, I, I believe in God. So I, I say the word God and I'm, I feel very connected to spirit and God because I feel like I found a lot of what I was here to do in my passions when I was very young somehow. And mm. it's been just this sort of amazing revealing, like opening mm. one thing and then the other. And it's like, it's never been a question of like, what am I going to do? Am I lost? It's just always been like very clear what I'm here to do. And, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. And there's just like different forms of way, shapes and forms that it manifests. And I mm-hmm. test different things and I see what works and what I'm lit by, but it's, I just really, I love what I do. I, mean, mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. yeah, you exude that. I totally get that about you. You do too. Yeah. You yeah. do too, by the way. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We're like, yeah. we're, you're, you're literally, <laughs> literally you're, you're so family. I say this. Yeah. I really feel it. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, namaste. Namaste. Thank you Mr. so Baron much. Baptist. Thank yeah. you. I feel so honored that you're here with us. Yeah. Be well. And thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I can't wait to see you again. Subscribe to the show. Share this episode with someone you love. This show is brought to you by Shanti Yoga Training School. If you're interested in any of our offerings, please go to shantiyogatrainingschool.com and you will see. Also follow us on Instagram, Shanti Yoga Training School, and also Natalie Kra. I hope to see you again. Have a fabulous day. And until soon.